Why do people believe in ghosts? What is the fascination with the paranormal? Do haunted places actually exist? And what does science tell us about supernatural experiences? Moving objects, strange noises, cold shivers and ghostly visions. Could it be the paranormal or are you just paranoid? I'm Holly Nichols. I'm Stuart Allen. I'm Ruby Smith. And I'm Isabella Thornley. Welcome to our podcast, Paranormal Paranoia, where we aim to uncover the truth about the paranormal. In this four-part podcast series, we're exploring London's most haunted places to uncover their dark history and haunting past. Over the last few months, we've spoken to scientists, psychologists, historians, tour guides and eyewitnesses to uncover London's most spooky attractions and explore the haunting reality of the paranormal. Whether you're a diehard believer in ghosts or a supernatural sceptic, we hope you'll learn something new in this spooky series. So join us as we take you through the historical tales of the supernatural and unexplained. Hello to everyone listening. I am your host today, Isabella, but you can call me Izzy. And welcome to the podcast episode about the Ten Bells in Spitalfield. The Victorian pub is my chosen location as the dark hauntings of the Jack the Ripper victims still prove prominent in today's world. Whether this be to do with the spirits that loom the location or the historic tales that is ever unfolding, in this podcast I will speak to a couple of people who may just change your opinion on paranormal activity. To begin, let's delve into the facts and stories elocuted by an expert of the notorious serial killer. So now it's over to Russell Edwards, an author and true crime detective. Jack the Ripper uh, was a name given to a murderer back on the 25th of September, 1888. We've got a late 19th century Victorian setting in the East End where there's abject poverty, uh, a huge influx of uh, Jewish immigrants, um, and this caused a lot of huge amounts of anti-Semitism at the time. In the following interview, I asked Russell about the haunting stories of the Ripper's victims and his personal experience regarding the paranormal. So it comes back to the, the night of the 31st of August, 1888. Now, we're in Whitechapel and also what's called today Spitalfields Fringe, where we had about 1,600... Um, they weren't called prostitutes, they were called unfortunates back then. So we had... Um, five victims and the first one the name was uh, Mary Ann Nichols or Polly Nichols. Wait did he just say Holly Nichols? No he said Polly Nichols don't worry. Oh thank god. She was born in London. Five of her teeth were missing. She's only about five foot. This is getting really spooky because I'm only about five foot. And she had children and she'd not had her money for the DOS that day on the day of the 30th going into the 31st. And she went to um, her lodging house and she did. She got kicked out about half one in the morning because she didn't have a DOS money. Now, she had a brand new black straw bonnet that nobody knows uh, where it came from. And she said, don't worry, I'll soon have my DOS money, see what a jolly bonnet I've got. And then at 3.45 in the morning, um, a guy called Charles Cross, his real name's Charles Lechmere, um, another man called Robert Paul um, was there, walked past and the pair of them established that it was the body of a woman. They didn't know if she was dead or alive, but they went to find a police officer. 
and he shone it what's called like a bullseye lamp and discovered the body of Polly and basically she was butchered but it's interesting to note that it was the position of head to the left arms spread out and legs spread apart was the the sort of the mo of the murderer so even that wasn't bad enough three weeks before another woman called martha tabram was stabbed 39 times to death and that was just literally 10 minutes walk from where polly was found unfortunately that is a really gruesome story that is unimaginable for some Holly, what is your take on why victims might still haunt the Ten Bells location? I mean, there's a reason I haven't read up about Jack the Ripper, and unfortunately that is the reason. It's just so gruesome and horrific. And if I was Polly Nichols, which I nearly am, I think I would probably come back to haunt someone as well, because that is awful. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things I learned about when I was researching the history of London Bridge were these unfortunate women. And I think it's so desperately sad because they were just ordinary women trying to make a living in what was such a horrible time for so many. And to be killed in such a gruesome way is just horrific. And I agree that if I were Polly Nichols, I would definitely be coming back for some sort of revenge. So even though Polly actually wasn't one of the ones to come back to haunt, I can totally understand why victims would. I feel like the unfinished business and spirit continuing to live kind of makes sense now. Stuart, what do you think? I think firstly that Jack River plays such a massive part of London history. I mean, you say the name, everyone has an idea of who they think that was. The idea of people coming back to haunt, I think comes back to this idea of memories being held within walls or objects. And I think maybe there is a case that the memory of Polly Nichols is in, is in the place where she died. Yes, Stuart, I totally agree, especially when these women were just working a job that they had to do to survive their day-to-day. Russell actually gave a really interesting story about the presence he has experienced of the killer himself. I can tell you one of the things that's quite spooky, that apparently whenever I go out and do a tour, there was one psychic that said he's standing on that wall watching you right now. And I'm like, okay, well, just tell him to come down and, you know, just tell everybody who he really was and how he did it then. Other people that have joined him on his tours, not just the Ripper, but sceptics, scientists and researchers, have also told him some spooky stories regarding the ghosts that are believed to still be present near the location of their deaths. There was the biggest, biggest one, which was was, um, a team who were phenomenal, I must admit, they had some sort of portal and they tapped it on the third murder scene of Elizabeth Stride and you heard the, the words I'm Swedish in a female voice. But around the Ten Bells, so um, another formidable lady, she said every time we walk into the Ten Bells, she said the words red herring always come up for her. There was one where very early on this lady was part of a public tour and she said well I get some feeling and I can feel Catherine here but all I can smell is blood. So initially when I heard this it led me to think of phantosmia which is actually a medical condition where you can smell things that aren't actually there but after hearing more than one of these anecdotes I just don't see how that can be true. While I do think it's easy to explain as a hallucination I do find it crazy that two different people with different backgrounds, different stories and different knowledge 
have had a different experience where they've either heard or smelt something which supposedly wasn't there. I think this is really paranormal. And I don't want to dismiss that spirits might actually exist. So I spoke to a mystic who might help us to explore different avenues that we haven't yet thought of. My name is Sarah. I am a high priestess. I teach meditation, uh, philosophy, and addiction and um, trauma recovery, as well as the occult. So I absolutely believe that spirits do exist in one form or another. Um, I have a lot of different working paradigms that I shift in between with. So that just means there are so many valid theories and explanations as to the phenomenon of what's going on in our reality. I think it's really important to not to not ever be married to one idea about anything because how can we ever know what's a billion percent true and real? We can know what makes sense for us at a certain time and what works for us at a certain time. And I think it's important to keep that in mind. So I believe that um, our souls are eternal. If we know that energy can never be destroyed, only changed, um, we want to keep that in mind. But um, but consciousness itself and personality, I believe, uh, remain intact. But sometimes, like you might have heard before, people do get stuck. I wouldn't be too afraid of getting stuck here because when it is your time to go, there are lots of guides around that are ready to to take them to where, the next place, to wherever we go after that. I've encountered spirits that had a lot of guilt and shame and they just wanted to tell somebody. There is another thing they could be. This happens very often with children on accident making imaginary friends. We sometimes actually make real entities by ourselves. They are an energy that has been formed and shaped and given a personality by us. So that is their explanation of things that could be haunting you. Before I had spoken to Sarah, I had never even considered that this may be how different entities are brought back into this realm. Ruby, what do you think about imaginary friends after hearing this perspective? Yeah, I think it's an interesting idea and I do understand that if a child's feeling quite lonely, they might invent an imaginary friend for company and with that there's a lot of emotions and I can understand that spirits might be connected to quite dark emotions. However, I do think that a child is just using their imagination to play and I don't necessarily think it's linked to another world. In my experience, they might also be kind of echoes from the past, or maybe they're still there, but it's just because dimensions are kind of layered on top of each other simultaneously. 
there's a lot of people that believe in a multiverse or that time isn't linear and that all time is happening at the same time. Um, I know I'm mixing up a lot of different ideas, but that's because we don't know. But all of these kind of um, make sense to explain what we're experiencing. So perhaps not all the time are we encountering a dead person that from this dimension, from this, this version of our multiverse, perhaps a layer of another dimension that's kind of like coming through and we are experiencing them. I one time lived in a very old building in France and where my bedroom was used to be the street and they built a room, you know, attached to the outside of the building hundreds of years later and, and that was my bedroom. So I would often see these black um, movements out of the corner of my eye and I felt like it was just people from the past walking by, going to work with their horses, whatever it was. They didn't notice me. I didn't feel any negative energy from them or like they wanted to interact with me. It was really just like, I was just experiencing seeing these echoes from the past. There, there are um, mean, mean entities, mean, mean deceased people that do wish to cause harm, just like there are people. So in the spirit world, you know, there's a lot to not be afraid of, but just like on earth with people, we always have to remember like not everybody's our best friend and people, there are some things do have motives and we need to have boundaries. I think this perfectly encapsulates why people have different belief systems. Sarah has described how people experience these ghostly passings in completely different ways. This viewpoint would help tie together Russell's anecdotes where the different people on his tours were able to experience a series of spooky encounters. And on her last point, regarding the spirit world, energies are created by different emotions, whether that be hate, anger or joy. Sometimes this fuel of built-up passion forces itself into the entity we call Earth. Maybe this would explain why the Ten Bells feels haunted is because of the pent-up feelings of revenge from all of those women that were a victim of Jack the Ripper. This is supported by how Russell describes the pub's ambiance today. But going back to the paranormal part and the the, the, the hauntings, I've been drinking and visiting the Ten Bells since 1989. But it does have this aura about it. It's still got the same tiles, the floorboards. There's, you get the feel of it. It still captures 1888 Whitechapel. It's cold. It's cold in the summer. You know, you can feel there's the coldness of this these streets. So it definitely gives you that atmosphere. Finally, I thought it would be a fun idea to wrap up the variety of opinion discussed throughout this podcast with an anecdote from Russell. I hope everyone listening can use the information we've discussed to weigh up if they think it's genuinely paranormal or if it's just a hallucination. I've got a, a very good friend of mine who's a bodybuilder and he's a giant. And we would go on Halloween to Borley Rectory and um, this one night we went around the back of the church. Now Darren and I always say he's about five foot wide from shoulder to shoulder, he's massive. Anyway, yeah, he says, well, just, I would just be quiet for a few minutes and everyone was quiet and Darren stand behind me. He then walked in front of me and stood in front of one of the headstones and looked down to take a photograph. As he does that, Darren taps me on the shoulder 
and Darren's still there. So whoever that was, wasn't Darren. So very calmly, we walked out of the graveyard and it's this someone got a metal bar and smashed it on the headstone as we were walking out. So this story is quite unique and very fitting to the haunting theme as it was on the evening of Halloween. Um, Holly, directing this question at you, considering you spoke to a psychologist in your episode, would you say that it is unfair for me to straight away doubt that this story actually happened? I don't think it's unfair to doubt it. I know that I doubt it, and not because I think that Russell is necessarily lying about what he's experienced, but mainly because it's not within my belief system that someone could have risen from the dead as a paranormal being and tapped him on the shoulder. So for me personally, I think I would doubt that straight away. Stuart, what do you think? I very much agree with Holly. I think being able to doubt and be able to independently think about something you're told is very important to human nature and human society. So I think if you do doubt it, you're you're not doing anything wrong to doubt it in that sense. I'm not sure I agree. I mean, I've shared this opinion before, but I think if someone tells me a convincing story, as Russell has, I'm going to believe them because I wasn't there I didn't experience this event on Halloween, so why would I have any reason to doubt that it actually happened? Considering Russell's line of work, where he deals with spooky things all the time, would you say that this would change your opinion on his story and provide you to believe that it is more real than not? I think considering his line of work, he's more likely to have these kind of encounters. Something that Chris said to me was one factor involved in when people come to him saying they've had paranormal experiences is because they've been in a place which is known to have had paranormal experiences so like for my episode the tower of london is known to have loads of ghosts so of course people are going to go there and think they've seen ghosts so i guess if russell is looking for ghosts on a daily basis he's always going to have these experiences which maybe can't be explained but aren't necessarily the paranormal i think his role specifically would mean, in theory, he would be more likely to be exposed to the energies that we associate with ghosts in that sense. My mindset is I'm very logical. I don't necessarily believe in it, so his role in that sense wouldn't impact how I see it, but he very may well have reason to have this experience. One last question to my glamorous co-hosts. After what we have found out in this episode, would any of you go for a drink in the Ten Bells pub or visit any other haunted locations in London anytime soon? If anything, I think it's made me more intrigued to go to these locations. Obviously, we've heard that the Ten Bells is haunted by Jack the Ripper's ghosts, but I think it would be fun to go for a drink there. Yeah, the story's not going to dissuade me from going to the pub. That's, that sounds like a more of a reason to even go in the first place. Rationally, I know I shouldn't be scared, but I think if we did go for a drink in the Ten Bells, I would always be looking over my shoulder for like a glass to move or something. Well, there you have it. Me and my co-host wouldn't give up anything for a pint. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Isabella Thornley with the Ten Bells Haunted Location of London. I hope you look forward to the next episode. And this has been Paranormal Paranoia. I'm Ruby Smith. I'm Stuart Allen. And I'm Holly Nichols. <laughs> anyway, so shall we head out to the pub, guys? Yeah, let's yeah, go. Let's go. <laughs>